Hello, everyone, and welcome to the premiere episode of the Everything is Fine podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sean Wilson. And I'm your other co-host, Matt Ebersol. And welcome to the first episode of the show. Um, for the tens of you who find yourself listening to us for this first episode, um, what this show is, uh, I'm Sean, is Matt. The two of us are friends. We've gone to college together for a couple of years. We're both musicians. We're both uh, pop culture nerds, as we've, as we've seen in the advertisements. But um, the two of us figured we've had all these lovely conversations throughout the years and we've had multiple friends suggest to us like the two of you could definitely be radio hosts and so we decided to give it a go um we're two uh, huge movie nerds we're uh into pop culture i'm a huge video game and board game connoisseur matt yeah i'm i'm much more and in, so into movies i'm a huge movie fan uh tv as well uh i'm much more critical though when it comes to television video games that's mostly sean's domain so if you're here to hear video game content He's the guy. Uh, but I think between the two of us, there's a huge, well-versed um, uh, um, base of knowledge where if one person's strength, the other person's weakness, we're able to complement. So this show is going to cover a lot of varying topics between the two of ours' um, knowledge sets. And I'm just really excited to get started. Uh, as Sean did say, we are college students, uh, musically trained. Uh, I play piano. Sean plays trombone. Uh, we met through music school as well, and I I think our radio voices also probably contributed to the fact that everyone said <laughs> that we could probably we just we just have that you know that 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 aura you know uh, but, as so we've been told as so we so. have been told but yes uh, him and I have had many many intellectual debates uh, we actually used to live together um, and just by talking movies with this guy it has really really shaped our friendship and what better way to expand it by expanding it to you, our audience, the Everything is Fine universe. So we thank you for listening if you are, and we hope that this is the first of many times you'll be tuning into our show. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited, Sean. I, I hope you're excited too. I know that we were both pretty nervous before we started this. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, getting this recording <laughs> off the ground was a challenge We sat here for about 10 to 15 minutes before we even started hitting record because Sean was like, oh, I'm not sure, like, what should we do? What should we say? And, and of course, there were there are always uh, the average with any show, there's always technical difficulties. Oh, so, of course, yes, of course. Um, um, but yes, finally getting it off the ground is a joy to actually be talking on the airwaves. Um, what you'll be hearing from us mostly just, not just on this episode, but throughout the time of this show's existence, uh, me and Matt here are just going to be talking everything pop culture, movies, TV shows, board games, video games, like we just mentioned, but, uh, every week we're going to try and come at you with, like, a different topic. We want to reach out to every possible listener we could get, mm -hmm. so... Uh, we not only just have our our own brains coming to the table, but we plan on having several guest friends and family come on the show, uh, give their own contributions, maybe uh, like have like have their own style of of topic conversation where they're teaching us something, we're teaching them something. Exactly. Uh, you'll hear uh, debates, you'll hear conversations, you'll hear jokes. Well, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that, that was <laughs> maybe you'll learn something along that was the way too. We're gonna get into yeah. So we didn't want to just make this a podcast where we're just kind of spitballing. For an hour, hour and a half, which is probably going to be the length of each episode, by the way. So not a huge time commitment. Probably around an hour, hour and a half. Probably where we're going to be aiming for with most of these. Uh, but we wanted to have some continuity and a lot of framework going into each episode and not just, you know, going in blind. We wanted to have a strict plan. So we actually have some ideas for some segments that you, the viewers, can expect. So every single episode, uh, Sean and I were thinking that... Um, we love reviewing movies and TV shows and stuff that we've talked about. So what we're thinking is each episode we are going to start off with an earlier segment 
where we're going to talk about what we've seen in the past week. As well as also bits of news and, and other things. For instance, like I'm an avid reader of, of uh, things like IGN uh, and stuff like that. So, uh, like for instance, like one big piece of news that I've been paying attention to the past week is uh, I'm a fan of The Last of Us games. And that uh, HBO has, has picked up the rights for a TV show for that. And they just cast uh, Pedro Pascal as Joel. And AKA, AKA The Mandalorian. AKA The Mandalorian, for those of you who know him. But uh, so yeah, uh, Pedro Pascal is on another escort mission, hopefully sometime <laughs> soon. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, like it'll be little things like that that we've seen the past week we wanted to kind of talk about and bring to the table yeah. and maybe bring that news to you. So Exactly. And they're not going to be like super in-depth reviews because, you know, us, we, we experience a lot of stuff within a week. So we're yeah. not going to spend a lot of time, but they're going to be basically overviews of what we are watching and... Uh, suggestions or maybe non-suggestions yeah. to the viewers for watching them. Yeah, um, so as well as things that we've gotten ourselves into, things that we participate in. For instance, uh, I'm a member of a very widely diverse uh, community that plays Dungeons & Dragons a couple times a week for many different games and he through our college campus. And he lets everyone know that he's part of it. Absolutely, <laughs> because I'm very proud of the work we've done. But uh, like that's So that's something you'll hear from me every once in a while. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, just to bring every kind of corner of, of, of pop culture style media and activities and, and, and hobbies to the table. Yeah, and I usually throughout the week watch probably at least four movies, five movies a week, and it varies from movies I have not watched to movies that I want to rewatch. And uh, I usually review stuff on Letterboxd. Um, well not, I'm not plugging myself on Letterboxd, but I guess I kind of am. <laughs> so if you do want to follow me on Letterboxd, it's uh, mmbersoul53. Um, but I, I have started reviewing movies on that, so basically the bulk of my stuff will be movie reviews. Uh, but there are other segments that we're going to be like, um, every single episode, we're going to have a main uh, topical debate segment. Uh, whether that's talking about some of our favorite film franchises, some of our favorite uh, video games, uh, maybe comparing two things. Like, it's going to, we're going to each episode have a certain topic that is going to drive uh, most of the episode, and I'll get into that in a second. Uh, but you can expect Star Wars episodes. You can expect episodes based off Dungeons and Dragons. You can expect episodes on Marvel. You can expect episodes off Game of Thrones. Something that stuff that we're really passionate about. That also we hope you are. Yeah. And it will probably draw in some viewers. We think. Of course. And through the social media accounts that we've set up, like for instance, we have an Instagram. That's how most of you found us for this first episode. Yes. Uh, through that Instagram, we'll be throwing out posts and polls and and viewer submission kind of things. We want to talk about what you want us to talk about. So if we throw up something uh, on there, please answer a poll. Please send us a message. Uh, please interact with us because we want to make this a show tailored to you, our listeners, tailored to what you want to hear us talk about. And for the most part, I don't think there's really much we'll turn down. So uh... <laughs> No, 100%, 100%. Yeah, and um, so, yeah, so expect some polls. Expect some, uh, some audience feedback that we're looking for because uh, we do want to make sure that we are doing our best to keep you engaged, you happy, because it's you, the listener, that's going to keep us uh, creatively fueled. So we really, really, really do appreciate you listening. And if you are listening to us, congratulations, you've either found A, our YouTube channel, or B, our Spotify page. But those are the two outlets that we are going to be releasing our uh, actual episodes on. Instagram is just really a social media account where we're going to be posting maybe like sneak peeks and polls, as we just said. But our YouTube channel, everything is fine. Uh, episodes will be up there every Sunday. And also on Spotify, uh, look for us there. You can find our podcast episodes there as well. Uh, those are the only two outlets we're on right now. Maybe in the future, if y'all want to see us, maybe on 
SoundCloud, Apple Music, we can definitely look into that. But at this current moment, YouTube, Spotify, those are the two ways. Yes. Uh, so anyway, continuing with our other um, ideas for segments, Sean and I have had an illustrious history of <coughs> amazing top ten list oh boy. Uh, debates, and we have been we've had many audiences actually. The uh, the one of the greatest things about like when we were living together, we used to share a dorm room together on campus in college. Uh, one of the probably accidental greatest tools in our arsenal was uh, I have this like little I, I had this little wall mounted whiteboard. <laughs> and that became this almost doodle pad for the two of us losing our minds late at night. Yep. So when we were getting to know each other, one of the things would be like, hey, what's your opinion on this? What's your opinion on this? Like, oh, what are your favorite things of this? And that spawned a lot of these debates. Uh, so, yeah, you'll hear, like, our own competitive thoughts every once in a while. Because, let's face it, it wouldn't be a friendship if we weren't butting heads every once in a while. What's so a, What's a friendship without that? For every <laughs> single, like debate that we seem to be on sync with we are definitely going to have uh Mm -hmm. a a, an episode or two where we might end up screaming at each other but it's all in good fun so (laughs) so our our plan is to end every single episode with a top 10 list that will hopefully relate back to our main topical segment that will be the 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 bulk of the episode so if we or it might be something that you guys wanted to know our opinions on also that yes so if we do an episode on I don't know Harry Potter. Like we don't, like then we would pr- maybe we would rank our favorite characters or our favorite moments or our favorite movies. We would we would definitely try to tie it in with what we've talked about throughout the episode as a whole prior to that because we wouldn't want it to be super disjointed. Um, but top ten list rankings uh, and also the thing about this is that we are not telling each other our lists before we do um, the segment on the show. So we are going to be reacting live, just like you, to hearing each other's list. So it should be very, very interesting. Although I will yeah. say, depending on the list, we I've known, I've known Sean well enough, and I think vice versa, where we could probably predict what's going to be where. Absolutely. But, yeah. So we, we've tried, we're going to try and stay away from things we've already talked about. We're trying to bring new things to the table. Yes. Um, but so on and so forth. Uh, yeah, that's generally the gist of us and of course when we have guests on the show like i like we said we want them to come on with their own topics they're going to be leading their own discussions yes uh and they're definitely going to weigh in on on all of our uh like segments like that for the opinionated things so Uh, but definitely take for these first few episodes it's probably just gonna be sean and i but as we uh gain our our rhythm and we get get more in a groove uh, please feel free to reach out to us if you do want to be featured. We can uh, get you on our Discord server, which is how we're going to be recording. <laughs> yeah, how we're going to be recording most of these episodes. Um, and you can hop on, and we can have a really great discussion on topics that you would like to share with us, and also that we would like to share with you, the guest. Uh, we are more than welcome to have any and all opinions on this show uh, about all things pop culture, movies, TV, games, whatever. Uh, you are more than welcome on the show to share your knowledge and also just come hang out with us. Have some fun. Um, but kind of going into what we wanted to talk about today, just listing all the interests, we wanted to give you guys something today, a little bit of our own opinion, one that we're mostly in sync with. Um, as we said, we're both musically trained. Uh, I will argue that Matt is slightly more musical trained oh than me. Um, but uh, one thing we kind of wanted to talk about, just because pop culture as a whole uh, wouldn't really survive, I think, without the element of music. Uh, we are both, like, one of the main things that kind of brought us together was our love of movies. And we were thinking about just, like, what to talk about the first week, what to, to, to really show you uh, how we function, how our brains work. <laughs> so 
we kind of had this like lightning in a bottle idea the other day. Uh, we wanted to talk about what made a good film score. Yes, that's, we've, that's going to be our topic. Today. We've been able to watch so many movies nowadays just because like everything is now streaming. Uh, you can you can snap your fingers and basically have a movie in your hands to watch somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so because we've been both on movie buffs uh, together and separate, and we've listened to all these wonderful scores and all the movies that have been recently coming out have had either fantastic or lackluster scores, yeah. <laughs> uh, we wanted to talk about what we think made a good one. So that is the main topic for today. If you're curious, uh, we do want to do give just to get a bit more um, information where we get there. Um, but expect that as our main segment. And then, the, as I said, the ranking list, we want to tie it in. So today we're going to be ranking our top 10 film scores. So stay tuned to the end of the episode to hear that as well. There is also one other segment I did want to bring up. We actually thought of this a couple of uh, hours before filming this. Um, so going back to the guest thing. We were thinking, since we love having all of these debates, we also really love this board game called uh, Super Fight. Oh, boy. It's not really a board game. It's just more of like a card game. It's a card game. Uh, but Sean and I have had... Uh, Sean, Sean introduced me to Super Fight. And if you don't know what Super Fight is, basically it's this game where you are given a random thing to defend as who like who would win in a fight. So maybe you're given like, you know, an octopus with laser eyes and, you know, knives for hands or something like that. And it's versus Sean, who has a hundred screaming babies who can fly and can summon a lightning bolt. And who would win in a fight? Like, it's something like that. So we wanted to somehow channel that in, but also wanted to bring a guest in. So we came up with a segment that we are going to call Bloodbath, where we're going to have a guest come on and give us his uh, his or her own set of questions based off pop culture. And Sean and I are going to have a minute to defend each of our answers to that question. And it's going to be a best of seven series, first to four wins. Yeah. And we're going to have different judges on the show, uh, different questions every single time we do the segment. It's not going to be a regular thing, based, just based on the fact we may not have a guest every single week. But, when but we it's can, definitely something we want to do when we can. Absolutely, yeah. So, so yeah. That, that was something else we thought of. Uh, so again... If you are following us on Instagram or uh, know us personally, and if you have any other ideas for segments you'd like to see or you think might actually work, please, please let message us, us. Please let us know. Please. We are more than welcome to uh, open for suggestions. Yeah. Uh, but yes, uh, Instagram, follow us at EIF Show. That is EIF Show. And then YouTube and Spotify, if you're listening, you already found one of them, so congratulations. Uh, and then one other thing I want to say uh, our logo, as you uh, have seen on our social media, and also it's going to be the thumbnail for most of our videos. Uh, it was designed uh, by... A, we're, this is not a sponsorship. We just want to thank the person. Um, uh, Etsy, uh, the unique boutique, uh, designed our logo. Uh, we just sent in pictures of ourselves, and they were able to make a almost like a, a faceless portrait. A vector kind of art. A vector art yeah. portrait. Um, so we just want to thank uh, the unique boutique. If you, need, if you want a picture like that in that same style, it's really, really, really awesome. Uh, and we just want to thank um, them over there at Etsy. Uh, at the Unique Boutique. Uh, yeah, so thank you so much. That's, if you're wondering how we got that logo done, that was not our artistic ability. We, I can't draw for, like, I can't draw. Neither of us can. Yeah, so. Neither of us can. So thank you again. We do uh, music, not, we do music, not <laughs> visuals. Yes, so we uh, just wanted to, we just wanted to give them a, uh, a shout out. Thank you so much for that. Um, we appreciate it. And I think it came out really nice, actually. I think yeah, it was a one, it was a wonderful piece of art. Yeah. Uh, I really Matt, like it. Matt had acquired it and Matt done, uh, Matt had done most of the heavy lifting on that. And then he, he sent me the photo at like 11 o'clock at night a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And it, it was, it was amazing. It was yeah, this, that was 
that was quite as, as soon as i opened it i was just like oh my god this is perfect this is exactly what i wanted and also that picture of you with that cup <laughs> we've gotten questions we've what, already got what is questions. in that cup there is actually nothing in the cup so yeah the, the, so the funny <laughs> thing about that was we had to pick a photo to send in for the artist to to turn into that vector art and i've already gotten people asking me like or like asking me or sending into the show account hey what what was in the cup? It was literally an empty glass in the yeah. photo. I'm literally like the the real life photo is me leaning against a table, just holding the glass, kind of just an absent minded like, hey, turn around and smile really quick. And there was nothing. There was nothing in the glass uh, at all during that. So it was just funny already getting that question. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, because you sent me that picture, I thought it was just like an empty glass. Yeah, it like, was an empty glass. I think it actually might have been your sister who commented to the uh, Instagram. Uh, yes, a few people, cup. a few people. Uh, but yeah, uh, nothing was in that cup. If you're curious, that was just Sean posing with it because he thought it looked funny, and I think it worked out. It happened to be in my hand at the time. <laughs> but yeah, so that's basically an overview of what to expect from this show. Uh, and we got the idea. I would probably say like. Four months ago, four or five. Yeah, uh, we were just talking, like, because we we've been we've just, we, a lot of our friends that we know have started to also have their own podcast about various topics. Some just want to hang out with each other and just have a weekly session about stuff they want to discuss. Some uh, focus more on in-depth topics. We have a lot of people that we know that do music-based podcasts. Uh, but we thought if we're going to do anything to make it a super entertaining, it was going to be about nerd stuff and pop culture stuff. yes absolutely so we had we, the idea and we, we were actually it. we were actually very fortunate to be guests on a podcast ourselves uh before this all started yes, so yes. a friend of ours rob uh does his own podcast called the Robcast. so uh uh, he, yeah, I think I think it's uh, the Rab Rabble of the Boys. Rabble of Boys Rabble podcast, of Boys podcast or the Robcast for short, uh, and that was a wonderful experience that night. Uh, he and his crew invited us out, uh, and we all just sat around and kind of. I kind of just did uh, much of nothing, but it was a wonderful, wonderful co comedic conversation that we yeah, had. Yeah, we had some evening. weird talks about, like, spoons and something. It, it, was, it was really, really <laughs> so weird. So please go look for him. That's uh, the Robcast. As, as random as some of those topics were, it was some of the most fun I had, and they have they have an absolute blast over there at Rabble of Boys. So, again, another plug for something else. But we, we do want to thank everyone that helped us get to this point of actually creating this thing. So, Rabble of Boys, thank you. Uh, the four guys over there, uh, Matt... Dan, Frank, and Rob, of course, as we've already mentioned. Uh, thank you guys for having us on the show. Go check them out, too. They got episodes up on YouTube. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much all of the introductory that I think we need to do. I think, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, again, thank you all for listening. Uh, now we're actually going to get into the bulk of what this episode's about. <laughs> but we really just wanted to get We've you rambled for long enough. <laughs> One paragraph on Instagram is not enough to really sum up what this show's going to be about. So we wanted yeah. to give you guys a lot of... Um, in-depth knowledge coming straight from us yeah all right so so I, so matt basically i wanted to ask you because uh because i was the one who kind of pitched this softball of a question um what do you think makes a good film score you've seen hundreds of movies well, yeah, so i want mean, to i want to know what your opinions are first and I well first well first of all um film scoring is something that i've never actually personally done because I'm not, I'm not really much of a composer. I'm very much a performer you're, and, a, and a teacher. You are you are much more of a perf, uh, of a of a composer than I am. So yeah, okay. But <laughs> uh, but, but uh, in terms of uh, film scoring, um, there's a lot. Obviously, I I'd be no I have no shame in saying that like, th like probably like thirty percent of the music I listen to in my free time is instrumental film scoring. I would probably say like I I think it is such an underappreciated art and it's something that goes very. 
very unnoticed sometimes because some great film scores are right in the forefront because some movies have very little dialogue and the score has to carry it. Whereas other movies, the score goes so under the radar, you don't even realize what's happening and it just, it, it, it drastically improves the movie. Like when they bring back certain musical themes or musical ideas or have a great musical cue at a, uh, at a, tri like a triumphant moment or a really, really like, you know, somber uh, musical example when there's something horrible has happened, it can really impact the movie. And great music can, a, a great score can actually sometimes save a bad film. Like the example that I always use for a great score but bad movie would probably be the Star Wars prequels. Like I like I like those movies. I actually kind of appreciate them, but let's be honest, the dialogue bad, especially the first two. But those scores are fantastic. They're so great. So like, really, a great score can sometimes carry a bad movie, and sometimes a great movie can be ruined by a good score. Um, but I'll 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 now piggyback over to you because <laughs> I just talked for a bit. So. You're definitely you're definitely right. I agree with you. That yes, there are movies that are maybe not the most like visually pleasing or the story is not fantastic, but a good score can save them. I enjoy the Star Wars prequels to a point. Uh, that's fair, and that's fair. Let's but, not get uh, into the prequels. There's going to be a yes, whole episode. There will be a whole episode on that, that, right that heat-fueled debate. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, like to use that as a good example to piggyback off of, yes, those movies definitely suffer from a lack of effective storytelling and writing and dialogue, but some of those themes are memorable to anyone who's ever even just heard of Star Wars. You oh, can yeah. you can play a snippet of John Williams' score and people will know, oh, that's Star Wars or that's this person's theme. Mm -hmm. They might not know who the character is, like but I guarantee you everyone when they hear dun 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 that's the Imperial March. And everyone yes, knows yes. that's Vader walking in through the corridor. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, and, and even for the prequels, like, some of the best Star Wars music ever composed, like, the love theme for Anakin and Padme. Yes. I, I, I say what you will about Attack of the Clones. I don't like it, but that theme is great. It, it's a, it, it really does make you actually feel for these characters, even if their dialogue and their romance is pure garbage. Like, it... it, it don't hold back. It really... Don't oh, hold oh, back. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. Uh, expect multiple episodes on Star Wars, because as you can We're already not... tell, we already are starting to... We are not going to over-flood you with Star Wars, mainly because, like, that is a debate that will end in one of us dying on the show. Um, so that's a very... That's a few and far between segment. Thing. I will say, though, Star Wars is one of those topics that you and I actually, for the most part, agree on. We, for the most part, agree. We have some weird differing things. But, but we're, we're not here to we'll get, we're, we're not here to argue games. Star Wars. We're here to talk about film score. But, no, for film, um, for film score... What makes a great film score to me, going, going back to the original question, because we got on a bit of a tangent there, um, what makes a great film score for me are two things. It needs to, A, complement the film, and also, I think, for me at least, it, you, it, it needs to be able to be listened to outside of the context of the movie, and it doesn't need to... The movie, it can't over-rely on the film. It needs to stand up on its own as well. And the movie... There's one movie in particular, uh, of recent, that I think really does fit that billing of a great score in the movie, but if I were to listen to it, it'd be like listening to paint dry or watching paint dry. And that's the score for Dunkirk, which I don't know if you remember. Hans, Hans Zimmer's score in Dunkirk is great for the movie. Well, like, and yeah, anything like that, that Hans Zimmer writes like is that gold. Stopwatch like ticking feel to it. Cause like time is racing in that movie. And also that movie plays with time in a very interesting way where like those are three different stories that are all like coinciding. And the score is so great at complimenting it with like all these like, 
really like low tones and like the constant like perpetual motion of like the ticking clock. But if you were to listen to that soundtrack outside of the film, it doesn't really stand up on its own. Like watching the movie, it makes you feel very tense. But if I were to just pull up the Dunkirk soundtrack, it's never anything that I would actually ever listen to. No. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? I completely understand what you're saying. Like, there, there has to be a... It, it needs to complement the film, but it can't over-rely on the film. Yes. And then there, there are films that, like, to go on the opposite end, I can listen to that film's score and be like, completely content just, like, doing uh, assignments or just light lazing around. Mm-hmm. Like, I can listen to a movie score. Like, I, I, I'm, like I said it before, anything Hans Zimmer writes. Uh, anything Hans... I mean, except for maybe Dunkirk. But like, yeah. Any like most of Hans Zimmer's work, like I'll uh, I'll pick on Pirates of the Caribbean because that's one of his more well known, uh, like works he's lent his, his musical talent to. I could listen to any of the Pirates of the Caribbean films soundtrack scores. Well, yeah. And be completely content just listening to it by itself. Well, yeah, that theme is just like, that theme's iconic. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it, it really it's one of the best. Mo- Although I will say Hans Zimmer's scores as of recent have kind of now been just. They all kind of sound the same. And I hate to be that guy. Well, he's done a lot of movies that have been very similar. So. Yeah, like, he's basically now he, just, like, he did the score for Wonder Woman 1984, which I have my, I have my, I have my own opinions on that movie, which we will get into. Like, <laughs> wow. Uh, he did the score for Wonder Woman. He did the score for Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. He and did the score for, um... He's, he's done the score for every Nolan film, but he didn't do Tenet. Um, which was an interesting choice. Well, no, he, the reason he didn't... He, the reason it still he worked did, out great. The though. reason he didn't do Tenet was because he was writing Dune. He's, yeah, he's doing this which I'm too. super excited for that. Yeah, no, that, that should be good. But he didn't do um, Tenet. He had the, what, I mean, it's not like they got some schlub to do it. They got, no, no, they no, got no. Ludwig Gorenson they got to Ludwig do Gorenson. it. So, and he's also fantastic. Well, he's one of the best people work, working. To, the Mandalorian score, just by itself, like is so... Like, it is... Okay, so going back to... <laughs> we keep going back to Star Wars. Well, it's because it's fresh in our minds. But um, like, the, the, the anthology movies, like Rogue One and Solo... It was basically two composers trying their best to maintain the aura of Williams while also not trying to be John Williams. Yeah. Like, Giacchino's score for Rogue One is great, but, like, you can definitely tell that he's trying to be John Williams-esque, which I respect totally. If he did something completely different, it would have upset a lot of people. Exactly. But the fact that The Mandalorian is so distant from all the other movies, Ludwig Gorenson had so much freedom to do whatever he wanted to with that score. He could make it so different because the whole tone of that show is so different from all the other Star Wars movies, and that score is great. It sounds so new. And the main theme to The Mandalorian, the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, like, that's so awesome. It, yes. it, it sounds like its and, own thing. And the nice break for that, and I swear we'll use examples that are not Star Wars, but um, <laughs> the, great, the great thing about that is, like, Star Wars, you could argue, the main franchise of films has almost been a fairy tale. I mean, think about it. Like, it is the young chosen one goes and finds the wise old wizard who yeah. becomes his mentor so that he can stand against the Dark Knight. That is, yeah. that is quite literally a fairy tale. And sub out, sub out chosen one mentor and Dark Knight for any of the villains, heroes, or mentors in those films, it's a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. But then you have the Mandalorian, and what do you know? All of a sudden, we're watching a Western. Yeah, it's totally and, Western. It's season one. And uh, Yeah, and if anyone's ever seen an old-fashioned Western... That is such an amazing kind of like way to tell storytelling. Like I'm, I love the old John Wayne westerns. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is just a joy to hear the old kind of like the the the, the heavy horn, yeah. the harmonica, the, this kind of like 
you feel like you're standing in the middle of the desert with a duster on, with a wide brim yeah. hat, and there's yeah. a six gun on your hip. And it's that amazing tonal shift that makes that work because it's different but familiar at the same time. Uh, and more so, like, that also helps you draw you into scenes. Like, one, I think one, one fascinating element of just soundtrack and scoring in general for a movie is the ability to show emotions that aren't being said. And I swear this is the last Star Wars example I will ever use, but it's one of my favorite. <laughs> I swear to you, we are not going to talk about Star Wars anymore. But um, We apologize if you've never seen a Star Wars we movie. We very much apologize. <laughs> uh, but we have I, a lot to say. The one scene, that, like one of the few scenes that always comes to mind when I think about scoring and composing in general, like and to tell a story with music, because music has this wonderful ability to tell stories. I mean, look at ridiculously old, like, Suites. Look at the first ever operas. Look at concertos that have been written through the ages. Mm -hmm. uh, you can very clear like there like movements of music are named after emotions or places, yeah. and they tell a story. Um, there is a wonderful and it's only a forty five second ish scene uh, from Episode Four of Star Wars: A New Hope, where it's right after Luke has this whole confrontation with his family. And about like should oh, i go join the empire yeah. or not and, before yeah. he learns anything of his heritage he wants to go be a pilot for the empire and uh, his friends have gone off and he's but he's been told oh i have to stay here on this rock of tatooine and help be a moisture farmer which i will laugh about to the day i die that he farmed water in the desert but well, i was um, gonna go to the tasha station pick up some power converters yes exactly <laughs> uh bad dialogue but um there's this wonderful like 30 second scene where luke is like fresh out of the confrontation with his family wanders outside of his home and it's literally sunset on Tatooine yeah, the sunset, and yeah. Tatooine's whole thing is it has two suns one's that's one that sets a couple hours after the other and one of those suns is setting one of them is just about to set it's this wonderful kind of dichotomy scene and there's no dialogue nope. for 40 seconds which also makes it arguably the best 40 seconds of the movie but um <laughs> okay, uh, okay. I, we'll get into that but um <laughs> but there is this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful like scene where the binary sunset, the Force theme, kicks in. And we don't see any talking. We just see Luke kind of stand there, look off into the sunset. His foot's on a rock. He throws a rock to the ground. And he just kind of stands there. And, and you can see the emotions go across his face of, I want to go, but I, I should stay here. Mm -hmm. What do I do? And when the strings kick in on the swell of that oh, yeah. crescendo, oh, yeah. you feel that kind of otherworldly longing of like, I've I you every person in life has as most certainly had a position where like there's something I want to do but other things I must take care of first and that moment perfectly encapsulates that. No, you know that 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 music is and and the good thing the cool thing about that is is like when you're first watching it, that's the force theme but like you don't know it's the force theme. Yet. Yeah, at because... first you just think it's this wonderful swell of music and then you hear it so many other times later in that movie in that franchise of these moments of almost like when Luke comes into himself. Like, it plays when he masters the Force. It plays when he mm -hmm. lifts rocks for the first time. It plays when he shoots the... the when he shoots the laser into the Death Star. Exactly. When, it, when he turns off his... Uh, when he turns off the targeting computer yeah. and lets the Force guide his actions. Yeah. It is this wonderful... Like, it, it doesn't... It, yes, it's called the Force theme. It's called the Binary Sunset. Yeah. But it's more so the theme of I am coming into touch with who i am yeah. no that that is a great example i'm very happy you brought that up yeah um no that, 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 see we that's... can talk about star wars and not bag on it <laughs> well no I, and, I, and i do think that that is a extremely good um of like music yeah. more, being more than words because that scene again it has no dialogue that scene is great but getting off of star wars 
because we've been talking. Yeah, about please Star Wars. hit. Please, you give an example. It's not Star Wars. Um, I don't want to hear the word Star Wars. Versus. Don't want to hear the word Star Wars. Well, I mean, there's there, there's actually a movie. Uh, this is not going to be in my top ten list, uh, but I actually did think about putting it in because there is one movie that came out. I think I guess it was I guess it was last year, like December twenty nineteen, January twenty twenty. Um, uh, it's 1917. I don't, I don't know if you saw it. Yes. Um, yes. One of the best scores. The fact that Thomas Newman did not win his Oscar for that is very, very sad. But considering what did win, because Joker won, which is a, a great pick. Oh, absolutely. Um, but That was also a very interesting score, too. Well, yeah, we can get into that, too. Because that... that <laughs> pe- talk about a score that people are going to be copying to death. Absolutely. That, that just that's, became... That's Joker. That, that became is, a wheelhouse. That is Joker. Um, but... Basically, 1917, uh, for those of you who do not know, it's a war movie that's basically shot in all one take, and it's supposed to be this really, really like anxiety-induced thriller where you're following these two people crossing enemy lines, and it is some of the most intense filmmaking I have ever seen in my life. And there's one scene in it where the, mu- the music is building and building and building because it's basically this guy who has to get to... Uh, a certain place to relay a message and he can't get there because this whole army is right he's he's in the midst of this entire army in this trench waiting for this huge charge and he literally can't get there by just because there's so many people crowding his way so he climbs up out of the trench and starts running across the battlefield as the army is charging and like people like running into him and again, no words at this whole scene. It's just this guy who you can see on his face. He has made a choice. He is determined to do what he is, uh, what he thinks is right. And the music swells to an unbelievable moment, unbelievable moment. And it is some of the best film scoring I've ever I've ever heard in my life. That that last like fifteen minutes in nineteen seventeen is absolutely phenomenal. And also harkening back to Oscars, um, I am a huge Oscar fan. So, considering at this current moment that the Golden Globe nominations are out and the Oscars are out, expect to hear some Oscar talk from me during our weekend review session. I'm just going to let him go that episode, folks. Well, I I have the privilege of saying that I am a um, an Oscar expert. I believe. I think that is. I think that's fair to say. Uh, I got. I I've I've done very well on my ballots recently. Um, but yeah, so going back to 1917, though, that that movie is a great because there's not really that much dialogue in that movie at all because it's these two people who are in a desperate situation. They don't have time to, like, talk to each other. Like, oh, what's your name? Oh, I'm doing the... Oh, da, 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 da. There's, like, really no time to, like... For them to talk. Like, it's mo- it's a very desperate situation. The movie captures that so well. The intensity of the moment. And the score has to carry a lot of these big action sequences. And, my God, it is so, so good. Thomas Newman, man. You're, you're a legend. And the fact that you haven't won an Oscar is depressing. And I actually do have one of his scores on my top ten list, which you, which you will see why yeah. once I get there. But he is one of those composers where he he has written music for so many movies that their score you would know instantaneously when you hear it. You just don't know it's him. Like it's some of those like some directors like have made movies that you don't even know it's their movies. But like once you start seeing all the movies that they directed, you're like, wow, he directed all those movies. That's crazy. Same thing with Thomas Newman in film scoring. He scored. Finding Nemo, he scored American Beauty, he scored so many different, like, amazing movies. One that I'm going to talk about later, but I'm not going to say. Um, I, I really, really like Thomas Newman, and 1917 might be his best score. It, it might be. I have one ahead of it. 1917 is probably an honorable mention for me, but that is a great yeah. uh, example of 
music carrying an action sequence because it is great stuff, man. It's great <laughs> stuff. And that movie is phenomenal as yeah. well. I'm I'm definitely sure that there's a lot of honorable mentions that, that Oh, there's so many, like, dude. But like this we can't, that would so be its, its whole thing. Like it was definitely a challenge when we came up with this idea. This was so um, cool, man. Yeah, he, he texted me last night. He's like, yeah, I think we should... Because we were planning on doing a segment... I'm not going to spoil what it was, but it was going to be, like, a very, like, specific segment about a certain show or a certain movie. Like, we were like, what should we talk about? Like, But we kind of wanted to make it a an episode where we could really just showcase two of our main interests combined into one thing, and that's when he was yeah. like, why don't we do film scoring? I was like, yeah. that's perfect. I also, so. I also realized, like, and you can talk about the scoring done by them, but, like, I, I have a feeling that you and I have very little Disney on there. And that's not because uh, that's not because have, Disney have, scores aren't great. I think that that's simply because that's a whole other animal. Like, I, have, I have one Disney score on my top ten list. I have one Disney score on my top list. Uh, we, uh, we, we might have the score? same one. Who knows? Uh, no, I definitely don't think we have the same one. But uh, <laughs> we definitely don't have the same one. But um, I think I know which one it is. Though. I uh, <laughs> now here's the thing. Do like Disney scores are amazing on their own. But the thing with Disney scores is. There, so Disney scores fall into this category of like music is actively happening on screen it's being sung mm-hmm. and like that's not saying that's a whole different kinds of scoring I when well I'm not counting like for example I don't know like what's um, like Little Mermaid like, yeah like, Little, like the score for Little Mermaid is different from the songs yeah like, exactly Under the Sea is not part of exactly. the exactly the score and the songs are two different that's what I'm trying to say yeah songs in a movie are great and score in a movie are great, but they're two different things. Sometimes they work together. Like a lot of Disney movies, obviously, if if uh, if Ariel is singing "Part of Your World," you're not going to see a bunch of fish in the background being the orchestra. <laughs> we don't see we don't see Fish Williams off to the side with with his orchestra. Yeah. We hear Ariel singing, and that's song with score to accompany it. Yeah, and. When we say score, we're talking about the composer is in the sound the sound studio with the band that is providing the music for the movie and is purely instrumental. Uh, we could go on a whole other tangent about movie songs. There are so many oh, movie songs. Yeah. And if that's the case, our lists all automatically, mostly, become Disney. Well, yeah, there are some movies where, honestly, they sacrifice score for soundtrack. Yeah. Like, and, I, like, like for example, a good example would be um, like Shrek. Like, Shrek's actual score is not very prominent in the movie. It heavily relies on soundtrack Yes. Because it wanted to differentiate itself from Disney films. Exactly. Because Disney is very much, let's all sing, and let's have these cool instrumental musics while we're all having all these, like, romantic moments or whatever. Whereas Shrek is like, screw that, let's play Smash Mouth. (laughs) And let's let's play, like, uh, the Proclaimers, I'm on my way, and let's have Hallelujah sung during, like, this... The Hallelujah sequence. Instead of having Shrek sing a song about how sad he is, unlike the actual Shrek musical, which is horrible, by the way. Um, But that's a whole other topic. Oh, boy. Uh, But instead of of having this really, like, sad song, like, instead of giving him, like, a song that, uh, like, the Beast has in Beauty and the Beast, like, in the Broadway show, like, If I Can't Love Her, or, like, Evermore, and the... Instead of giving him a song like that... They instead chose a soundtrack. Yes. Like, I, I think that that is also a very interesting part of film scoring that gets very overlooked. Because soundtrack choices are so important in terms of setting a tone. Guardians of the Galaxy. That's like that the is soundtracking. soundtrack. That yes. is the soundtrack. The fact that that film opens in the way that it does with the awesome mix. Like, the first thing yeah. you see is on screen is Peter Quill sliding the tape into the, into the tape player. Well... Like, 
No, technically not the well, first thing you see. The, it's the not first the thing first is thing. when his mom dies. First thing is mom dies, but yeah. like when the action begins yeah, like and like the, the movie is the on, title card comes. The up title it's, card. It's coming at you. You love. hear the. You hear yeah, coming at you love, and we rock out with him as he strolls across the planet's surface. Like yeah. that's amazing. No, I think soundtracks get really overlooked because every, whenever someone thinks music and film, they think we of think what was the song original songs and also the background music. Yes, they don't actually think of picking songs to match tone. Match the mood. Ma- a movie I actually just watched, kind of tying into our weekend review kind of thing. A movie I just watched, uh, Promising Young Woman, which is a movie that's getting a lot of Golden Globe nominations. I don't think you've seen it. I've not. It's a really interesting movie, and that movie has a phenomenal soundtrack. It picked really, really good pieces for what it needed. Um, the movie plays with tone a lot, too. But a, a, the soundtrack is so vital to setting a tone for a movie, and it gets so, like, tossed to the side. Almost. And, like, and, and it almost shows, like, sometimes you can wander into a film and you didn't even realize that scoring was a part of it. And then when you go back and listen to it, like, another, like for instance, uh, my current roommate uh, that I live with, Connor, who will definitely be on the show many times. Oh, yeah, expect to hear that uh, name a lot. Connor. Connor, is a, uh, Connor is a wonderful guy, and I've lived with him for the past year. I've known him almost as long as Matt. Um, so one of Connor's favorite movies is Interstellar. And I guarantee you that when most people think of Interstellar, they don't think about, like, the music. But then you go back and listen to it, and it's this intense, like, like, like heavy, thunderous style of orchestration. It's dramatic. It's almost this low, like, it's mostly bass, which is interesting. Like, it, it has almost this baseline feel to the rest of the, the symphony that is the movie. And you go back, and, like, if you were to imagine the wave scene or the black yeah. hole slingshot mm. without the, like ever creeping sounds of the symphony at the edge of the screen almost you would immediately think this is like uh, oh that it takes so much away from it sometimes yeah. the the gravity of just how minuscule a score can be even if it's like its presence is still there but even the minuscule amount of just a little bit that creeps in is amazing going back to joker as well like that was fun. That was fun to see in the theater. It was. That it was, was. That's one of those movies Sean and I actually saw it together. It was like, us two and our friend Jarrett. Who will also in the, be on the show. In the, yeah, absolutely. It, it was us and our friend Jarrett. We went to the show on a weeknight, and we, the entire time oh, yeah, we did I, see that on like a random like Tuesday we saw that on like a random Tuesday because yeah. there was a deal at our local movie theater. Yeah, and we like. I, the entire course of the movie, we find ourselves shifting from the back of the seat to the edge of it. Yes, mostly because of like the action on screen and the fall, the descent of that character, but also because they chose to score the entire movie in a way that like purposely upsets you. It, it is going to be mimicked so much yeah. in the coming years. The entire like the screechy string the scree- the, the, and the, the discordant the, like yeah. like it they said tonality who's she and threw it out the window. <laughs> well that one that one motive the the motive that the composer I'm going to butcher her name but it's it's like it's like Hildur Gwotenadr I don't I don't okay, know. Okay, I'm going to look up a proper pronunciation it's, it's, for it. There are some letters in there that are not actual letters. It's like the o with like the line through it or something. Yes. Like I'll I, do my I best. apologize Hilder if you're listening to our podcast which is highly unlikely. I'm sorry I butchered your name. But she is a cellist. Uh, she plays the cello. Yeah, you God, can't pronounce I'm it either. I'm reading it and I don't I can't you, say you it. You can't pronounce it either. But uh, Hil- no. Hilder Gunadotter. Hilder G. So Hilder G um, is a cellist. So most of that score is centered around her instrument, the cello. Yes. And that one main motive, the da 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 like that one, like that like minor third kind of thing, is all over the place. And it's so minimalist, it is going to be copied 
so much in the recent in the, in the coming years because now all of these like gritty like remakes of movies or like gritty takes they're all going to try to do exactly what she did and she built that score up so well throughout the movie that by the time you got to the end spoiler alert for joker when he's standing <laughs> on the cab yes with the whole crowd around him and the music is swelling and that motive which was first introduced as this really like small thing when he's dancing in that bathroom. Yes, and he was it, by himself. He was by himself, himself dancing, dancing for himself. And then when he's dancing for an entire crowd of people, like swarming and cheering for him like he's a god, the music is pretty much very similar. It's just now dialed up to 11, and it is so impactful, and you don't even realize what's happening. Yes. It's subconscious in your head that that motive is relating to Joker's inner insanity and how he's snapping. And how it's just his mind is beginning to crack because yes. and ha and his lust for power. And now because that and now that he is like he's achieved almost that kind of like public eye visage, and he's he's accomplished like the whole like I'm tired of pretending that we're not trampled on thing. And now he's unapologetically dancing in front yes. of a crowd yep. that is loving it. That that surge in the music, that swell in the music, is unapologetically present. Yes. just the it's, same it's, way that he's so he no longer fun. cares who sees it. Because he's now become this face of the movement in side, Gotham City. Side note: When he made the smile with the blood, bro. Oh like, yeah. Oh my god. That that that's when he does that. That's when the music starts to like. It really, really loses it because he said, "I'm now the clown." Yeah. Like uh, I I didn't choose to be the clown. I became it by yeah. accident. Society like, forced him into it. Yeah, he was forced to be the clown. Yeah, we live in a society. Uh, but, oh boy. <laughs> but no, it, it, that's another great example of motives coming back. Another example that I actually just realized because I rewatched the movie. I'm a huge MCU fan, and there's a very, very interesting moment in Avengers Endgame that I love. Okay, so, interesting. I had spoiler, an Avengers thing I wanted to say. Spoiler alert for Avengers Endgame. This is your spoiler warning. Also, feel free to... If you if you haven't seen a lot of these movies, I apologize. We will we'll try to... I'll... I'll yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry if you, <laughs> if you haven't seen Endgame by now. Shame on you. It's two years. It's two years away, and if you haven't had it spoiled yeah. yet for you, congratulations. You've somehow you've away. done a very good job. You've done a noble thing. Also, like uh, for a lot of the movies we'll talk about, because like you heard me mention the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like yeah. I guarantee you, there's like a very minuscule amount of our peers who've actually gone and watched the movie. So please go check these things out and yeah, see take, what we're talking about. Take these as recommendations, and also stay away from other ones that we don't. Anyway, so back to Endgame. So there is a moment. Right before Tony snaps his fingers, where he looks at Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange gives him like the one, like the sign that's like the one, yes. like this is the one in 14 million that I told you about in Infinity War. And Tony then starts to realize what he has to do. And that is he needs to snap his fingers, potentially kill himself to save everybody. It's almost like a sacrifice. And music is playing during that moment. And I just realized something that I really, really liked. The music that plays in that exact same scene is the same music from when he threw the nuke through the wormhole in the first Avengers. Yes. And he also thought he was going to sacrifice himself. Yes. It's just that that time he actually ended up living because somehow there was gravity in space that pulled him down back through the hole. <laughs> but, but, like, when when he is throwing that nuke up and he's falling and you, like, you get that great close-up of, like, his suit completely dark and you just see his eyes closing, almost accepting the fact that he is he's dying like he's, yeah. he's like i'm gonna be lost in space but i sacrifice myself for the good of humanity that same musical cue plays right before tony grabs all the stones and snaps away thanos and i adore that because in the moment i didn't realize it but i felt it because yeah. it just it, it was just i'm surprised you didn't pick up on that 
I'm surprised they didn't either. Because, But I guess the first time I saw Endgame in the theater, I was just so emotionally wrapped up into wanting to know what was going to happen and bawling my eyes out at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I wasn't really focusing on, oh my god, that's the same motive as the first No, Avengers. yeah, you're not there supposed was no to. But upon rewatch, I, no I noticed that. I'm like, that's a really cool moment. It's also probably because the same composer composed both films, yeah. Alan Silvestri, who, by the way, that Avengers theme, man, Talk about if there was a if it was a top ten uh, musical scores that get me hyped up, that'd be number one. That yeah. Avengers theme, the Avengers crap. theme is fantastic. But, um, but I, 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 just wanted to, I wanted to bring that up because yeah. like subconsciously you hear music and it makes you feel the way that you don't even realize. I uh, I conversely wanted to bring up Avengers as as well. Uh, I wanted to bring up uh, Infinity good... War. Uh, and now here's the thing: Infinity War is a downward roller coaster the entire film because you're just like the stakes get higher every second the movie goes. Yeah. However, there's one thing that like, and this is hyper music nerd like knowledge thing that, that made me really excited in the theater because I was one of the crowd when I saw Infinity War in theater that I stayed to the very end of it. Like they had to kick us out of the theater. Um, I if you sit through the extensive credits of infinity war and you listen to the the symphony and the, and the soundtrack fade out and i know the majority of you are not going to understand the term i'm about to throw around but the entirety <laughs> of the moons the, the entirety of the movie's um uh soundtrack ends on what is called a picardy third oh yeah and yeah, that yeah. is that that literally made me set up in my seat now here's the thing yeah, with, when thanos is sitting in his like uh hut yeah on, um you just see him look out yeah. over the sunset He's like, I did it. It's, a it's time to retire. But the Picardy Third is essentially this way of a composer kind of saying, like, it's not over, but the song is. Like, <laughs> like... Well, yeah, because it's it basic <laughs> for the non-musical people. So basically, if a song is in minor, which means that it's like... It, the sad it, one. It's the, the sad one. The sad one, oh my God. <laughs> I cannot believe as music people we are saying that minor is the sad one. I thought we were past that. I know, but I just wanted to say because I knew you'd laugh. Basically, when a piece is in minor but it ends on a major chord, that is called a Picardy third. And if you listen to the end of Avengers Infinity War when Thanos is sitting on his, I guess like... Porch. His, like, on his porch, yeah. <laughs> and he's like smiling because he was able to do what he did. It ends on a major chord. It almost sounds kind of like... It sounds like kind of like cathartic. it sounds hopeful it sounds or cathartic. Hopeful. Yeah, it's like I did a good thing. Like it's it's in a way almost his own. Like the last like ninety seconds of that score is almost it switches away from the the chaos that just happened, the snap, everyone dying, this horrible loss for the Avengers. The last ninety seconds are purely Thanos's inner emotions orchestrated yeah. for us to listen to. It's this kind of like. It almost fades to like when you like it's it's almost the same feeling as like when you hear the melody of a music box that you had as a kid, like yeah. like oh like I'm sitting here I have my farm I'm I'm content I did it I made the universe a better place in my in my own brain and you know what it's a nice sunset it's a it's a nice day and <laughs> that's that's what that music is saying yeah. but there's also the whole thing with the Piketty Third because like its other meaning is very much like this is over but. Uh, this is not over, but the song is. A Picardy Third kind of suggests like that there's another movement in the symphony, you know. Yeah. And it's of course, of, it's kind of a cop out. And so when with <laughs> yes, it's a cop out, but it's a very good cop out because yeah. we have a literal piece of music composed to show like the villain sitting there, and he's he's like, you know what? I'm I did it. I'm 
I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of what I did, and people are going to be better off for this. He's cathartic about it, and we're heartbroken because we just watched Tom Holland die. So, yeah. But at the same time, like that, it also immediately follows with like the message that uh, like Thanos will return. Like, yeah, it didn't say the Avengers will. return. It said Thanos will return, yeah, right. and that was one thing that like that like you've seen messages like that in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like the Avengers will return. This person will come well, back. There's a whole so argument so. to be made that that's, that movie could literally just be called Thanos Infinity War. Yeah, it could be called Thanos this, Infinity War. That was a like, villain movie, he has and the it most was screen time. Yeah, it was a villain movie, and it was really well done because of that. Yeah. And the fact that we saw Thanos will return as it ends on that happy chord in this sad piece, yeah. Yeah. it made me excited because this is the weird. These are the weird things that I listen for on a, in a movie. You know, like yeah. uh, this is the weird. This is how my brain goes through watching a film. But um, like hearing that at the end of the theater, I immediately like sat up in the chair. I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> the next film's gonna be real. Like it's yeah. it's gonna like grab us by the throat the entire time, isn't it? And it's gonna be the opposite because we had this downward like we're like shrinking in our chairs, afraid because no one is safe in that movie. And then you're you immediately go into Endgame a year later, and you're just like. Okay, is everyone safe? Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, are we all safe? Hawk, like, you have only. Well, Spoiler yeah, alert. technically, yeah. Spoiler you get alert. you one. You get one last kick in the balls with Hawkeye's family. But um. Uh, okay, so one last thing because we do we do want to get to the top ten list because we are at <laughs> yeah we are at the fifty three minute mark as we speak and we want to make this one a little bit shorter for you um, guys. So I just want to say I, uh, a main a main point for me and you're gonna hear this a lot when I go into my list. Um, but. I love when scores really go heavy hand, not heavy handed, but like really into their themes for certain characters, certain ideas, certain motives. What we just talked about, like when you when there's something that is relating to a character or a moment that is then called back. Like even going back to what we said with the force theme, that is used whenever people use the force, and it really does. Like there's certain scenes in the original Star Wars where it just zooms in on a character's face, and without the music, you have no idea why they're doing this. But the fact that the force theme is playing, you know, it's that that, that character is right now using the force like it, it it does show how music can convey so much yes. without saying a single word and i'm gonna get into a lot with uh theme in here and also just because some of these movies are objectively like some of the best scores of all time and others probably are not yeah but this, i just love them <laughs> i'm so, i'm fully prepared are, this list is not the top 10 best film scores these are our top 10 favorites yeah if we're gonna go and we're like i'm feeling a film score today uh, then absolutely, like, we're just going to sit down and enjoy these. And yeah, there's going to be some of these on both of our lists well, no, that we're going to get bullied for. And um, it's fine. Yeah. Like, uh, I will I also, also say... I want to say one thing, by the way, because I didn't mention The Good and the Bad and the Ugly. I've yeah, actually never seen that movie. Interesting. So okay. that mo so that movie's not on here, because I don't put... I have, I don't put... There are no movies on here that I have not seen, because I can't... I well, can't yeah, of course. Them. Like, that's the point. So, it's your film so scores that you So I know Good and the Bad and the Ugly is probably on yours. It's probably on there. Because Ennio Morricone's a legend. And, that's, and that score's great. But yeah. I've never seen the movie, so I can't put it on here out of conscience. Yeah. I would, but I can't because I haven't seen the movie. So, I will, I will also mention The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. I will, also, I I will also full-on admit I have uh, one, of, one of the songs... Songs. Wow. One of the... <laughs> God, what's wrong with me? Uh, I have one of the, one of the uh, scores on here. Definitely breaks my rule of what is a song and what is a score. But uh, I don't care. Um, well, yeah, because they're, they're the yeah. the movie has wonderful scoring, and it's got good songs in it. Yeah, like so. 
you can argue that they interchange because of necessity, but we'll get to that yeah. when we get there. So, so how we're going to do this is uh, this is going to go for every top ten list that we do, uh, or top five, or however, or however, yeah. So basically, we're going to go back and forth, but we're not going to just all we're not one of us is not just going to reveal the entire list all at once. So, who, do you want to go first this one, or do you want me to go? first? Uh, I can go first. So what we're going to do for this is Sean is going to reveal his ten through six. And then we're gonna cut. We're gonna talk about it. He's gonna bully me for it. I'm not gonna bully you for it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give you the floor to talk about your ten through six. I'm not gonna interrupt you. Maybe yeah. I'll just throw in like a little soundbite. And then we're gonna talk about it. Then I'm going to do my ten through six, and then do the same thing. Then Sean will give his five through two. I will give my five through two, and then we will both reveal our number one picks at the very end. So this is our first ever top ten list, the inaugural top ten list of Sean and I's top ten favorite film. Scores could be any film, any era, not not doing like of the, of the decade, literally of all time, of just all time, of all the movies we've ever seen. So Sean, and these are entirely subjective. There are oh, yeah, yeah. there are film scores out there that are better than the things we listed. <laughs> Absolutely. Also, I'm looking at right now. Uh, my list might be very John Williamsy, but like, of course I, it will. But I don't care because John <laughs> yeah. Williams is a legend. I tried reason. to stay varied <laughs> in mine. Um, uh, okay, so um, I'll go first. Yeah, Sean. Uh, so, so ten through six. I'll be just to list them in rapid succession. Uh, I was in rapid succession. From ten to six, they are, and the distance between the distance between one and ten is very, very minuscule. Yeah, same for me. So, like, but like that being said, the distance is very short between them, and you can almost argue for switch switch around placements. But um, ten through six for me is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, Dr. No, first ever James Bond film, The Princess Bride, uh, Braveheart, and yes, this is where I'm breaking my rule, The Blues Brothers. Uh, <laughs> I will break my rule. Yes, there are songs in that movie that are sung on screen. That's but funny. I'm a sucker for the Peter Gunn theme, and I'm a sucker for the Briefcase Full of Blues theme. And the fact that the movie starts with no music in the first, like, ten minutes, and then the next two hours are just jazz and blues and... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I cannot believe you put the. Blues I absolutely in. did, and it I mean, was wrong can, of me to do so, I but I did I it didn't. anyways. I can't believe I didn't. Th- so wait, so you said wait, what was your number eight again? I said for number. Uh, so you said it was I'll, good, the bad, and the ugly. I'll say it all again. Yeah. I, uh, uh, ten was good, the bad, and the ugly. Okay. Uh, it's kind of low. I thought that'd be a lot higher for you. It it, it fought for a while. I like, thought, I thought be a this lot list went through several rewrites. I really did. I thought it'd be a lot um, higher. But it because it, wow. it's one of my favorite Western themes of all time. Okay. Like close competitors would probably be like Tombstone and ooh. P- pick anything by John Wayne, um, or well, with John Wayne in it. But um, uh, good, bad, and the ugly was number ten. Number nine was Doctor No, first ever James Bond, Sean Connery. Um, yeah. Eight was the Princess Bride. Oh, Princess Bride, yeah. I'm sorry, but the that's a, that's a good, the no, searching that's, that's theme a, is good so pick. good. He has a poster um, of the movie. In his I room. literally have a poster above my room, like yeah. above my bed in my room, yep. of that, like the original movie poster for it. Um, but uh, Princess Bride was number eight. Uh, seven was Braveheart. Uh, because come on, that full orchestra scene, like the full I, orchestra for that movie. I never really have enjoyed Braveheart. That's fair. Like it's not. Plus, for like, I can't like I can't say the score. Like the score is good. I'll, I'll give it that. Who wrote? Who did the score for that? Uh, I'll, oh fact, I'll fact check you, it. You Hold fact on. check it, but uh, yeah, my, I have my computer. <laughs> but uh, I feel like we should know this. We should. Yeah. And it's gonna bother me because like here's the thing. I wrote this with just like off the hip. Oh, like, James Horner. Oh yeah, yeah that, that makes sense. But uh, with Horner's Braveheart, like sound, like score for that, like the 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 back the the you may never take our lives speech score, uh, the the execution scene, those score moments, the wedding, the wedding in the woods, those are wonderful little like moments there, and there and the fact that, that movie's like entirety score was written 
with Scotland in mind, with the cultural influence in mind, it feels like you're listening to the the music that would be playing during that time period. And that's what's yeah. really cool for me. I love period pieces like that. So the fact that it did such a good job of making me think, hey, I'm in Scotland, that impressed me. I will admit, like, The Patriot crossed my mind as well when I was writing this list, but, like, it would it would probably have been number Mel 11. Movies. <laughs> I know, weird. It was like, I thought of both of them at the same time. Um, but, yeah, I chose Braveheart, though. Nice. And then, of course, yeah, I'm, I'm a musician. I put Blues Brothers on here because that's the music I like performing the most. Fair so. enough. No, 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 I, 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 I enjoy those picks. Uh, Blues Brothers, by the way, they moved, the music was composed by... I'm trying to figure out who it was by. <laughs> well, a lot, of the, a lot of what they did was the Blues Brothers band performed most of the music. Like, well, yeah, they, I, I, they, guess, they, I guess that would be it. They yeah. played the music. I mean, granted, like, Briefcase Full of Blues is their own piece, mm-hmm. uh, but then, like, they do, like, the Blues Brothers as a quote-unquote band was a cover band. So... Like they didn't write original music. They did. They played the hits. They revived yeah. the greatest hits of now, blues and jazz. Considering you have that song in your car and you play that like all the time. Yeah, I, I, should, own, I should have known. I own the CD soundtrack for the Blues Brothers movie, and I also own uh, the uh, live uh, concert recording for their Briefcase Full of Blues tour. Okay, so, so, so just review your ten through six, so that way we the one more they, time they remember. Okay, just review them. Are you sure? One more yeah, time? just one more time. <laughs> Just uh, like a, just like a, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, Doctor No, Princess Bride, Braveheart, and Blues Brothers. That is okay. my ten through six. Okay, just and also none of those are on my list. So we've done it. So that should be. So that should be we've done a good job. Okay, so ten for me is. Um, I'll I'll do the same thing you did. I'll do ten through six. Right, right. So ten is E. T. Uh, nine nine is the Social Network. Eight is the only Disney movie I have on my on my list. As I said, we had I had one. I had The Lion King at eight. And that's yeah. not including no, very good pick. the songs. That's Hans Zimmer's that's, score. Yes. Uh, seven is Psycho, and six is Spirited Away. Ooh, I forgot about Spirited Away. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, so ten. Man, so, so, I'm e- mad. so I'll so I'll run through. I'll run through uh, those. So, E.T. Uh, is actually the first movie I ever remembering. I ever remember like actually wanting to watch just me. Because like when you're a kid. Your parents kind of pick which movies you want to watch. Yeah. E.T. was one of the first movies where I, at least I remember it's the first movie I remember, where I, like, actually was like, I want to watch this movie. And the score is, to this day, still something that I hum. The flying theme. Yeah. The, the, best, the best musical moment, though, is the last, similar to what Williams did with Star Wars, with the Death Star attack. <laughs> Um, Here we go again. No, 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 no. I'm saying, I'm saying, no. <laughs> Williams has this great thing of ending movies at their dramatic climax with like these 15 minute musical like uh, scores that just are so great at what they do. The scene where the kids are on their bikes running away from the government and they're trying to get E.T. back to the ship and they and then they all start to fly. That music, that pounding, the bam, 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 like it's perfection. It's so good. And then of course there's the flying theme, which everybody knows. Um, but yeah, E.T., that score is just full of wonder. And that's why I love it. Nine, Social Network. You knew this would be on here. Oh, I absolutely knew he was on it. He's Social obsessed Network, with the movie. I'm not obsessed with the You were obsessed but, with But it probably movie. is my top five of the past decade for me. The score is fantastic. It's actually written by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross of Nine Inch Nails. It was one of their, yeah. it was their probably their breakout score. They, did, just, they did the girl for the, they did, they did the girl with the dragon tattoo, but I think that was before Social Network. No, 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 that was after Social Network. It was Network. after. That was after, yeah. yes. It was two um, years after, wasn't it? I think it was a year or two after, but uh, Social Network was really the one that put them on the map in terms of like being like great film composers, because obviously Nine Inch Nails is great. But I love... How, that movie is probably my favorite electronic score 
And also just the minimal piano playing. Just that one motive that plays throughout the whole movie. The bum, ba dum, bum, ba dum. Like it's just all over the place. And it's just like, it makes the movie feel so personal. And even and even though Mark Zuckerberg is this billionaire, the score is able to bring him down to earth, much along with the script. As just a guy who was misunderstood by everybody and just tried to take advantage of his knowledge and be as ambitious as he possibly could. And I think the score captures that brilliantly. Eight is The Lion King. I don't think I need to say really anything about it. It's the, yeah. best, it's the best Disney score, in my opinion. Although I think uh, you probably have a different one. I, the way you reacted to The Lion King shows that you probably have a different Well, okay. Well, I do have a Disney movie on here. Well, we'll get, um, we'll get to it. But, like, I will say, though, like, I will say, like, like, like of the Disney Renaissance, which again could be its own topic by itself. Well, yeah, we'll probably do an episode. Yeah, we're definitely gonna do a Disney episode sometime soon. But um, Disney Renaissance, Lion King is like one of those ones I enjoy, but it's not one of the ones I spring for. So I'm just yeah. like, oh, it's a neat one. It's a good pick. Yeah. That was it. The stampede scene alone got it to number. True, break. that is very good. The the, the 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 stampede scene. So good. Um, seven is Psycho, probably. It's gotten to the point where if, if someone plays a violin really high and screechy, people just automatically think of Psycho. That just shows how, how influential yeah. that is. If, if you play a violin out of tune, very high up, or even just like really high up screechy, people automatically think of the shower scene from Psycho. Yeah. That just shows how... And that whole, that whole score is just strings, which is really, really innovative. Yeah. Uh, Bernard Herrmann, I think it's his best score, even though he also did Citizen Kane and Taxi Driver. Like, he's great. Taxi Driver. But Bernard Herrmann... <laughs> He did that whole score with just strings, and it is the best horror movie score ever. Honorable mention, by the way, to Alien, which has another which All, has a great yeah, score. Yeah, also a very That's nice another great horror movie. score. But uh, Psycho's number seven, and Spirit Away is number six, because that's the best animated movie score, in my opinion. I, it's, I have no other animated ones above this. But Spirited Away, the, just the opening piano chords that play right as the, as the title cards come up for Spirited Away, just the, the one Summer's Day song, is it, it might be like one of the only film score pieces that can honestly just make me feel so much just like that that movie makes me feel so much because it's it's really just a movie about a, a young girl's journey to becoming a woman and that whole score is just so so powerful and it makes the movie great and the the setting that the movie is in is so full of just this all fantastical elements and all these great characters and the score is able to somehow match it if not surpass it Spirited Away is my favorite. Uh, it's my actually it's not even my favorite Ghibli film, uh, Studio Ghibli, but um, it's my favorite score of theirs, and that's why it's number six. Yeah. So to recap: so, ten ET, nine Social Network, eight Lion King, seven Psycho, six Spirited Away. Sean, you're five through two. My f oh, we're doing five two through two. Okay. So. We're saving the ones for last. Okay, like well, I I knew we were saving one for last, but I didn't know if it was five through three or five through two. We'll do five through two. Okay, five through two. Uh, Let's see if there's any overlap. I, I, we, I feel like we do. We, we have to. We have to. And I feel like this is where we're going to get the overlaps. We probably will. Um, so, number five for me was The Dark Knight. Um, oh, all right. I, I was a sucker for The Dark Knight. Um, no, five for me was The Dark Knight. The, 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 not The Dark Knight. You're just saying just that movie. Not the, the Dark Knight. Not the whole trilogy. The trilogy score is amazing, and if I could put the entire trilogy, I would. But I'm putting The Dark Knight. Okay. So, um, Dark Knight. I will say though, my favorite of the trilogy is Dark Knight Rises, but really? Dark. I will say, yeah, I'm sorry, I like it. I just hmm. don't ask me why. Well, we'll get into that in another episode. That's another episode. But like the Dark Knight scores is so good. I'm sorry, the scene where he gets out of the well with all the bats. Yeah, that's so good every time. But you're, but, but, um, but you're picking the Dark. The Knight Dark score. Knight. Okay. The Dark Knight score is 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 what I'm choosing out okay. of those three movies. If I could choose all three, I would. But I'm choosing the Dark Knight. Okay. Um, but five is Dark Knight. 
Four is Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. Uh, three is Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> and two is A New Hope. I'm sorry, Star Wars did get on here. <laughs> I'm sorry! There's a reason I use the Binary Sunset as my go-to I, I example. Really, I really thought you were going to put New Hope at one. No, it's I not. Really did. It's not. I'm, I'm now interested <laughs> to see what your number one is. I have is. a bad choice for number one, but I'm sorry. I'm a geek. A bad choice? No, I don't have a bad choice, but I have a choice okay, well, that we'll that's we'll going to get me bullied. Talk about your five through two. <laughs> um, the Dark Knight. What do I have to say? It's the Dark Knight. Uh, the, 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 the fighting on the ice scene. The, uh, the like I'm standing up with all the bats around me. Him accepting his fear as Batman. Uh, like, just the kind of general, like, almost Mission Impossible-esque feel of when he's talking to Lucius Fox. Um, the climax, uh, of, of that movie, everything is so good. The train, the, the, the distortion effects with Scarecrow. Okay, you're talking about Batman Begins. Yes. Yeah, oh, wait, no, sorry. <laughs> I wrote, I wrote Dark Knight to remind me. Yeah, I meant Batman Begins. I'm sorry, that's me reading my own So is Batman right. Begins fun? It's Batman's Begins, yes. It's Batman's Begins. I'm not... Because you're saying all these things. I'm sorry. I'm that's like, my this own. This is not the right movie. That's the fact that I'm reading my sticky note wrong. Because yes, and I wrote this, this on a proof, sticky note. And this is proof that we're doing this all in one take. This is proof we're doing this in one take. We're leaving that in. All the f ups are. They're all here. Yeah. Sorry. I meant Batman Begins of the Dark Knight trilogy. I wrote Dark Knight thinking I would <laughs> remind myself, and I didn't. I love those movies, and they're all just a blur. Like, oh my God, um, I can't that. well, okay, well, feel free to laugh me for that. Batman Begins of the Dark Knight trilogy. Okay. I love it's Batman Begins, The Dark Knight Rises, The Dark Knight, and I love all three. And Batman Begins is what I chose. Okay. Jesus Christ. Um. Uh. So yes, but all the examples. I'm gonna move on so I can stop taking my own. Okay. Um, four. You four. You said Fellowship of the Ring. Every good bit of music is in the Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, granted, all uh, that's another one where if I could put every single part of the franchise in the same spot i would mm -hmm. but i'm sorry when you first get into the shire the bar scene the dwarves the 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 sing the singing is so fa fantastic the little moments it comes in mm -hmm. uh i love i love pip and mary like everything is fantastic every second of the film the battles feel great gandalf's death fantastic the fact that it cuts out right as he falls silence yeah. fly silence fly you fools drop that like the fact and like that's the thing. Silence is one of the best parts of music because it gives you time to realize what just happened. And silence is much. Silence is just as much music as music is. And I love moments like that in film where like the sound cuts out. Okay. Because yeah. it shows there's a stop. But like, and of, of course, I'm just a sucker for all the music. Because like, if you ever read those books, there's like they have the full length songs in those books. I've never read the books. The books I, are phenomenal. I've heard. But, um, I've heard that. Yeah. But I um. We're talking about the film. I love the songs. I know almost every like sing song song words uh, from from all the franchise. I could sing. I know it's not part of that film, but I can sing you perfectly the uh, the Green Dragon drinking song. Okay. I know the uh, I know uh, Blunt the Knives like all, all those. The the uh, Frodo's song is like full on like transcribed in the books. Yeah. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like I love the musical intricacy of that. Uh, and then of course uh, three Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm sorry. Every second of that film has good good music. Hit, like the bar fight scene. There's very little music there, but when it kicks in, it makes the like the realization of what just happened so good. Uh, digging in the desert uh, for like the, like using the amulet to track the sunbeam to find the resting place um, of the ark. Uh, the first time you hear the Indiana Jones theme, um, 
running through even running through the forest in the very beginning like everything in that in that movie just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds and it perfectly conveys the sense of adventure the romanticism of it i love that theme i love those movies i love again a lot of a lot of my top fives are just franchises that i'm using a singular peg for well yeah which is wrong i had a hard time picking (laughs) you'll you'll see but yeah Yeah. but uh and then of course number two i'm not gonna even defend it i i chose new hope i chose star wars episode four and you heard all of my reasons earlier in the podcast there you go so that is mine to but quick recap (laughs) <laughs> it's Batman Begins. It's Batman Begins. From the Dark Knight. I, I, I note From to, the Dark Knight. This is yeah. proof that I will never ever use sticky notes for this for my notes I, I ever think I again. I know what your number one is. Um, I think I know what your number one is, but I'm not going to... It's Batman Begins from the Dark Knight. Uh, Raise the Lost Ark. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, Batman Begins, uh, Fellowship of the Ring, Raise the Lost Ark, New Hope. Please talk now. Please take it, please take, <laughs> okay, well, please take it from well, me while well, I get my I, foot I, out of my I, mouth. I will be happy to tell you that... Based off of what I heard, there is overlap in our lists. That's interesting. So I'm not going to go as in-depth as in some that you went into. No, please do, especially um, if it's uh, Batman. So number five... No, there's no Batman movies. <laughs> so number five is the Thomas Newman uh, score that I was hinting at earlier. It's his score for uh, the Shawshank Redemption. Oh, man, I completely forgot about that. I, I love it. The, 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 the theme... Oh, let me just run through really quick. So five is Shawshank. Uh, four, I have uh, Jaws. <laughs> uh, I knew it. Three, it's me. What do you expect? Three is Jurassic Park, <laughs> and two, this is the overlap. Two, I also chose Fellowship because I I, good, I, knew, I needed a Lord of the Rings score in there. And Thank you. We did agree that we would not list whole series. Like you wouldn't just list the entirety of yes. the Indiana Jones trilogy. You would pick Raiders, or you wouldn't pick all the Lord of the Rings. Or you would pick the one that stood but out. I to picked you. Fellowship. Uh, for, but I'll go. So now I'll go through. So Shawshank, the. The, the contrast in what Newman's able to do with that score is great. There's the very somber piano. Spoilers for Shawshank. There's the... There's the when, when, when Brooks... The whole four or five minute scene where Brooks leaves uh, Shawshank and has to, and has to be like reintroduced uh, into society and it shows how institu- institutionalization can affect somebody. The piano themes that play while he's just like sitting on the bus and like everyone around him is like just so like... He is so out of sync with reality, like when he's in the grocery store, like with the bags, uh, bagging people's groceries, and he's being told, like, speed up, old man. Like, his tragedy is portrayed in such an amazing way, and the score that's playing there literally makes me cry every single time. I And then there's the triumphant um, brass part where Andy gets out. And he's in the and he's climbing through the river and the music is insane. And then of course there's the whole like ten minute sequence at the end where Red gets out and he tries to find Andy and he goes to the the big tree and finds under the rock the note and everything like that movie's phenomenal, all borderline perfect, and the score is I think Thomas Newman's best. Four is Jaws. It is mm-hmm. the best score in terms of. Uh, Basically, what Spielberg and Williams did was make the shark character the music. The shark's not in the movie that much. Yes. But as soon as you hear, you instantly know the shark's there because they didn't obviously have the technology to make the shark look that good. So they had to rely so much on the music to make you feel so intense and so in the moment with this beast. And it works perfectly. Without that, I think would that I think is the best score in terms of making the movie better. Yes. Without and, John Williams' music, that movie would be nothing. And please tell me cuz like this is one thing that we've we've had to explain multiple times. Jaws is not a movie about fighting the shark. 
It's not. The shark is a plot device, not the plot. Yes. The, the shark... best part about Jaws is the character interaction. Yes, the fact that they're stuck on a small boat that's really not the because best. Because a mini tangent, movies are only good. You only care about a movie if you care about the characters. Yes. If, it, if the characters in Jaws are completely hollow, that's the, that's the problem with all the Jaws sequels. When the characters are hollow, you don't give a, you don't give a shit if they're being chased by a shark. You're like, oh, okay, yes. this is cool. There's a shark there, yay! But when you care about the characters, it doesn't matter if the shark's not on the screen at all. You are so in the moment, yes. and that score is excellent. It's excellent. Um, and it, again, similar to how Psycho, when you hear a high violin, you think of Psycho. When you hear a slight, uh, da, instantly you think shark instantly you think jaws instantly you think john williams instantly you think of how scared you are of going in the ocean it has been ingrained in our heads and that's because of how good it is three's jurassic park what'd you expect i just want to say full disclosure that he's wearing a jurassic park t-shirt as we record this yep it's uh spoiler alert that's going to be really high up in my favorite movies of all time list jurassic park might be my favorite john williams theme he's ever written <laughs> The song that plays when... and I, I, Okay, there's probably better scores out there, but honestly, no, I yeah, don't it's... care. No, yeah, that's the point. The music the point. that plays when Alan Grant and Ellie Sattler see the, their, the dinosaur, uh, the brontosaurus, uh, getting up on his legs and eating the, the tree. The music that plays during that scene gives me goosebumps, and it just is so powerful. And then, of course, there's these, the theme when they... A fly to the island. There's, of course, the great uh, theme toward the end where they turn the theme that was once this the triumphant thing and they make it into this soft, somber piano. It's just this. And it, Williams does so many great things with his themes. It's probably his best theme writing he's ever done. And then, two is Fellowship for a lot of the main reasons. Um, all the Fellowship theme, the Ring theme. Um, there's just so many great things and they all come back in all the different movies um, Howard Shore it's Howard Shore's masterpiece there's a reason he won two Oscars for his work on that he won three Oscars for he won for original song for Return of the King and he won score for Return of the King and he won it for Fellowship and there's a reason because it's that good it's that good it's probably the most well thought out score ever written for a trilogy because it carries over so well like, even for some trilogy like Indiana Jones or like um, all the Harry Potter movies like there's gaps in the score because they got different composers or they had different ideas with lord of the rings he wrote every single score for all three movies at the same time so there's so much continuity between the music where it almost feels like one gigantic film which is why i was honestly contemplating putting them all on here but i'm picking fellowship just because it really is the one that started it yes. and it just opened up my eyes to so much that film scoring can do yes. so to recap <laughs> Five Shawshank, four Jaws, three Jurassic Park, two Fellowship. I think I know what your number one is, and I kind of want to guess. Uh, well, before you even say anything, I just because you mentioned Harry Potter and or, and composition on that. Uh, <laughs> is it Harry Potter? No, no, it's not. Oh, Jesus. It's not. Okay. It's not. It's not. No, 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 no. Um, I just want to say because like this was a, something that I realized a little a few months ago rewatching all those movies. Um, <laughs> There, so when John Williams was uh, composing, uh, uh, I believe it's Chamber of Secrets, he was also working on the prequels for Star Wars at the same time, mm -hmm. and there is very blatantly, if you go back and watch the Quidditch scene from Chamber of Secrets, the chase, mm -hmm. um, the same theme is used from the chase in the prequels. Uh, 
It is the same musical sequence oh, wow, yeah. uh, from when, um, I believe it's, because uh, I'm, I'm mixing up, uh, we've talked about so many movies, it's the same scene as when, I believe, uh, uh, Obi-Wan chases after the assassin. Gotcha. So, uh, so, yeah. Look, so what the hell is your number one? Look at, just, yeah, it's, it's such a joy, because you can tell that John Williams is like, I'm busy with Star Wars, I'll just recycle this. Um, it is the same theme, note for note. Um, my number one? I have a, I have a guess, but I think it's wrong because you said it's something weird. I'm not gonna guess for yours because there's no way because you said Jurassic Park already. I think so. it's is is uh, the only guess I had because I know you like these movies. Is it like is it like the first Pirates? <laughs> uh, yes, it is. Par- it is Curse of the Black Pearl. Yes, uh, let's go. Look, I'm gonna. I I'm, I'm. To be fair, I have not looked at his list. That, that is that the a total guess. That is the Disney movie of. Uh, that is the only Disney movie on this list. And oh, I yeah, that's your Disney movie. That is oh, my Disney you, movie of choice. I, uh, I love Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean, very similar to your whole ET speech, was one of the first movies I was like, I really want to go see this as a kid. Yeah, I was like, can we go see Pirates of the Caribbean? Because I I was the kind of little kid like everyone had like the dumb thing they wanted to be when they were a little kid. Like I want to be a cowboy. I want to be I want to be like I like just something. Like I want to be a knight or something. I was like I love pirates pirates are cool <laughs> and so like i went i saw pirates of the caribbean and it was such a joy i remember when i was uh, when i was in third grade my family went to disney world and i had to ride the pirates of the caribbean ride it's not a ride it's literally just a log flume kind of track but to an to a eight-year-old seven-year-old that was like this is really cool and i've i've, I've loved pirates of the caribbean so much and i'm also just uh, I, i'm a huge fan of hans zimmer's scores so mm. I'm sorry. You listen no, to no, no, no. I don't. I'm not. That's a great. That's yeah. a great pick. But you listen to every second of Curse of the Black Pearl, and you can listen to it without the movie. And like I just and like and I know like I I used like one of my big. I, I didn't want to use uh, Pirates as much when I was giving examples of what makes a good film score because this is my moment to do that. Um, my like I put the binary sunset scene so high up. In what in what I enjoy in film, but like one of the ones that just tops it is Jack Sparrow's ninety second intro in in, in Black Pearl. Yeah, every yeah. second of the score lines up to what's happening on screen. You see him at the top of a mast of a ship, and it's this fantastic swell of this like seafaring inspired theme and then all of a sudden it shrinks way back down to almost this simple kind of beat because you see that he's he's swung down a rope to the deck of his ship which is just a glorified dinghy with a sail and we were fooled every second of the way we were fooled we're thinking who is this magnificent cat oh it's a it's a rowboat and yeah. then, but what's imp- what's it, what the best part of it? It recovers immediately. It's not showing you a, a, a like a dit, someone who's not an experienced pirate. There's a reverency there because immediately it turns to he bails one bucket of water out of the boat and fixes it. Turns and he sees the corpses of three hung pirates outside of Port Royal, like warning, like pirates be warned. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that the music does, it switches from like the dit sub theme to. This reverent horn kind of that cuts over the melody. And what does Jack do? Takes off the hat, gives a salute to the three passing pirates, and the look on his face is one of just pure respect. Yeah. He knows that like what he just did is was for himself, but then he had to be real for about three seconds, fixing his boat, and immediately when he sees the signs of like people who don't like him and, and what he believes in, he respected the fallen. Yeah. And what do we got to right after that? One more thing for himself. He climbs back to the top of the mast of that dinghy. And as the boat sinks, 
into the harbor, and everyone in the harbor turns to look at, who is this madman riding a sail without a boat? He just lets it go, straight-faced. I know everyone's watching me, but I'm still going to ride out this magnificent theme of the greatest captain to have ever sailed the seas. And he just lets the boat sink, steps right from the top of the mast to the bottom of the deck of the, yeah. of the, of the walk-up, the gangplank, hands five or six coins to the harbor master, bribes him to let him stay, and then steals his purse and walks away. You learned every single thing about this character in 90 seconds that you will ever need to know for the next five movies. Like... Yeah, and the score definitely And the score hits every single beat. The beat drops back to the Ditz theme when his foot hits the dock. The, The fact that as soon as you see the pirates come into view, the hanging corpses, it switches to the reverence theme. When he climbs back up to the sail, it immediately hits the bold theme. It covers everything. But yeah, that's my pick. Matt... Finishes it. Well, I'll let, I'll let you try to guess what my number was. I really can't, because you already said you already said Social Network and you already said Jurassic Park. Well, what have I not said? That's the problem. Like, <sighs> I'm 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 truly and honestly stumped. It's okay. Here's your hint. It relates to something that was on your list, but it's slightly different. It does it. Is it? Yeah. Is it one of the Indiana Jones movies? No. Oh, it's not. Is it a Star Wars film? It is a Star Wars film, but it's not New Hope. Is it? Revenge? It's either Revenge of the Sith or Return of the Jedi. It's neither one of those, actually. I give up. You got me. It's Empire. Oh, man, I'm dumb. <laughs> I, I think Empire Strikes Back is better than New Hope in almost every way. Even though New Hope is a perfect... <laughs> even though I think New Hope is a perfect film, I think Empire Strikes Back is even more so. And the score is in every single way better. First of all, you get the Imperial March in, which yeah. might be... I would make the claim that might be the most recognizable piece of film music ever composed. Oh, Absolutely. Like, everybody knows that piece. Like, obviously, like you know, like, everyone, oh, well, you know, the Jaws theme. Or, like, oh, well, in terms of just a piece of music that I think everybody knows, if you hear dun, 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 you instantly know what it is. Even if you don't like Star Wars, you're like, oh, that's Darth Vader's theme, right? It's like, yes, it's the Imperial March, it's amazing, it makes the Empire feel so much bigger than it ever did in New Hope. Just by adding one musical theme, it completely changes your outlook on the villain characters. There's also the asteroid field scene which is great. There's the love theme for Han and Leia, which is incredible music. It's so good. It takes the Princess Leia's theme that like the 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 the, the leap in the beginning, but it's like slightly different and it's like almost like sad and somber because it's these two characters falling in love in the middle of a war that one of them might not make it out of and turns up in the end of the movie Han goes into the Carbonite, and that theme is playing as soon as he's frozen, but it sounds so much darker and you realize like it's like shit like he, he died like, we didn't die but like they're they're now separated but my favorite the, the 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 theme that puts this movie over the top in my number one um film scores because this movie contains my favorite musical moment in cinema my favorite musical which by the way rise of skywalker butchered but because they brought back this, <laughs> oh i know you're gonna talk they about brought back the, my favorite <laughs> musical moment first of all my favorite star wars character is yoda and Yoda in Empire Strikes Back is borderline the, the the best movie character ever made. Like he is absolutely flawless in that movie. And Yoda's theme is probably my favorite theme for Star Wars. Yoda's theme is absolutely majestic. It's great. And my favorite musical moment is how Williams uses that theme during the scene where Yoda lifts up Luke's X-wing. 
That is my favorite musical moment in cinema because you have Yoda's whole speech before that with the do or do not, there is no try, the force is all around us, like, your muscle, it's never, it's never been about your muscle, it's about what's up here, it's about your mind. And Luke's like, you asked for the impossible, and Luke goes over and sits down, and Yoda's like, judge me by my size, do you? And he, the music swells, and he starts lifting the X-Wing, R2 starts to beep, calls Luke over, and the, the shot of Yoda lifting that X-Wing, that X-Wing flying over the, the lake in Dagobah, and the music swelling to this unbelievable crescendo, it absolutely, it makes me cry every time I watch it. It literally makes me cry because yeah. it's just that it's it's the teacher student relationship that is just it, it's just it's perfect it's perfect in every way and that's why Empire Strikes Back is my number one film score because it is taking one of my favorite film franchises Star Wars and perfecting it yeah. and also the and also the asteroid field scene like come on <laughs> like the music there is is phenomenal even the, the Battle of Hoth music I would even argue that the music in the in the beginning of the Battle of Hoth is better than the music during the Death Star attack in New Hope. I would, I would make an argument there. That's a bold claim. I like it. We are almost at an hour and a half. Um, we thought this episode would be a little bit shorter, but turns out we like yeah, talking about turn, film scoring. Turns out we found so, our groove. <laughs> very quick recap for both of our lists. Are we so, doing 10 through 1? Yeah, we'll just do it quick. So my recap, uh, 10 ET, 9 Social Network, 8 Lion King, 7 Psycho, 6 Spirited Away, 5 Shawshank Redemption, 4 Jaws, 3 Jurassic Park, 2 Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring, and one, Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. And for me, it is 10, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, 9, Doctor No, 8, Princess Bride, 7, Braveheart, 6, Blues Brothers, 5, Dark Knight, uh, well, I'm going to throw the sticky note out. Uh, it's Batman Begins from the Dark Knight Trilogy. Uh, <laughs> uh, 4 is Fellowship of the Ring, 3 is Raiders of the Lost Ark, 2 is New Hope, and 1 is Curse of the Black Pearl. We only had one film. We had similar. one over. I mean, we, had, we both had a Star Wars movie, but they were different. We, the only yeah. movie we had that was the was same Fellowship was Fellowship of the Ring. Of the Ring. Which was not the one I and thought was, was going over last. It was, what, your number four? It was my number four. Yeah, and it was my number two. Okay, well, that was, I think, a really good list to get the listeners to knowing what our top ten lists are going to be like. Yeah, and, and I promise and, you that I'm never going to make that dumb mistake ever again. And I think it was actually good because we had so much not different that we were yeah. able to talk about a lot. So I'm never doing sticky notes for this bit ever again. Um, <laughs> live and let learn. Yes, well... Uh, so now this episode's over, we would like to thank you if you're still listening. Thank you so much for tuning in to the first ever episode of Sean and I's podcast. We do hope you enjoyed listening to it. Uh, Sean, you have anything to say? Uh, uh, nothing but uh, but thank yous to everyone around. Thank you to everyone who helped uh, kind of get us off the ground, give us all these ideas, uh, helped put us in the right direction. Uh, thank you to our artists who did our, our yes, art. Yes, thank you. Uh, Unique Boutique, they're phenomenal. Um, thank, I want to thank, <laughs> I want to thank my roommate Connor, because uh, he's the one who, who is uh, way better with technology, so he's actually yes. helping us with the production yeah. of all that with the sound-based uh, side of things. And thank you to all of you for listening, because without any ears, there is literally no point for us rambling and talking. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, for Sean, my name's Matt, and that, yeah, I got a horrible <laughs> sign off. We'll get it. Uh, but thank you all for listening to Everything is Fine. Um, that's Sean. I'm Matt. And just remember... No matter how crazy life may get, everything's fine.